The subject has been spotted. What? Attack the kid? But, sir, he's just a boy. We can't attack him. Is it Akira? Look, it's Lord Akira! The Great Awakening! Don't be fooled! This isn't the Rapture! He's a false oh, messiah! Buddy, welcome to episode 68 of Vague Zone. I am Daniel. I'm Thomas. And today we are discussing 1988's Akira uh, from director Katsuhiro Otomo. And Thomas, this was your choice for this week. Uh, we are currently working through the Evangelion rebuild series. And uh, so we've decided to take a diversion into another groundbreaking anime. Um, yes. But Thomas, can you tell us what is your relationship to Akira? Um, so I discovered Akira through like friends at SF State. It was just, we were really into anime. We always talked about like, sorry, we always talked about like Dragon Ball Z or like, um, that was like the big one, Samurai Champloo, Cowboy Bebop, like the really big animes. And uh, this movie sort of surfaced up and we watched it and I like, fell in love with it immediately. And my relationship with the movie has sort of changed a lot since college. Like I've purchased the dvd and watched it multiple multiple times and like i said sometimes i'll have it playing in the studio when i'm making music i'll put it on mute and it's just good visual inspiration it's just a, a really you know nice visual thing to have on in the background it's also an incredibly influential movie that's been tried to uh, there have been attempts to sort of make a live action version akira as we sort of gotten older there's like the like there was a multiple attempts to make a live action version there's like the movie chronicle which some people say is kind of like a, a weird like reimagining like yeah. a remix sort of version of akira um and then there was the uh, taika watiti adaptation that got canceled up until pretty well, recently so was it well, officially canceled or was it just like on hold we i think know? it's like shelved okay, i think okay. it's just like shelved but <laughs> he got uh sort of swept up in the whole thor marvel mm -hmm. mcu engine and so i think he kind of i think he's busy with that and I don't know, I think that is a little bit more safer territory instead of adapting one of the most popular animes of all time, one of the yeah. most popular mangas of all time. And uh, yeah, like I said, I just recently read the manga and I was really curious about sort of just seeing the source material and was kind of blown away by it and just like this, like how big and different the story is and just how many more characters and different plot elements are involved in the manga. And yeah, I just really appreciated the artwork on it. So just like my relationship has changed a lot because now I'm watching this movie and I sort of see that this movie is a slightly incomplete version of what the manga is going for, but it's still a very beautiful and solid film. And uh, it is like uh, sort of incomplete in some ways, but it's still like a really beautiful package and yeah that's why it shows it is like one of my favorite movies of all time it's hard to watch this movie and not have a massive smile on my face just because yeah. of just what it is and yeah that's basically my relationship with akira um yeah i think i first saw akira when i was in high school um <laughs> the only thing i really i remember like i wasn't that taken with it uh it, it's not that i didn't like it it's just uh it was just like that was a weird thing that happened like that's a weird thing yeah, that exists yeah. that i saw <laughs> Uh, and I remember my buddy uh, joking that one of the characters looked like Louis Anderson, <laughs> one of the old <laughs> children. Um, yes, yeah. <laughs> and then years later, I watched it with Emily, and I remember loving it. Uh, I remember feeling like this, why weren't there more movies? Because this absolutely feels like an incomplete story. Like, yeah. uh, it feels like it should have continued, and it feels massive, Uh movie's fucking stacked <laughs> like there's yeah. so much going on and we are dropped right into the middle of it there's no like one of the things that i find interesting about it on this rewatch is that like we don't see the story of like a boy joining a gang or a, a, a biker gang starting we don't see the beginning of uh experiments on psychic children we don't see 
uh, how World War Three started or anything like that. All of this shit is just already in motion, <laughs> and we yeah, just get yeah. dropped into the middle of. It. We don't see how like all this political turmoil is going on. Like there's a resistance. Yeah. Wait, uh, before we dive in, let me read the IMDb. Synopsis. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Just we totally skipped little... over that. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's okay. Um, so the IMDb synopsis for Katsuhiro Tomo's Akira, 1988. A secret military project endangers Neo-Tokyo when it turns a biker gang member into a rampaging psychic psychopath who can only be stopped by a teenager, his gang of biker friends, and a group of psychics. Yeah. The word psychic shows up quite a bit. Take a drink every time. I feel works. like I need to reread that because yeah. <laughs> that, like even the synopsis is stacked with stuff. Yeah, and like I said, like reading the manga, it was like this really wild moment where... like. Up until a certain point, like, the stories are identical, and then basically the movie covers, like, the first volume and, like, somewhat of the sixth volume, but then you have, like, four entire books, like, that are just entirely skipped over, and so, yeah, like, in this, like, we start off, yeah, there's student protests happening, like, they're, like, just kind of, like, out on, like, on a ride, like, as soon as the movie starts, and, like, the music is just, like, this rhythmic kind of, like, percussion, and it's just, like, we just go like it just starts off really quick and i i love the intro to the move to this movie yeah. like the motorcycles going through the city and like the, the trail of their lights it's just like fuck it's just like so visually one hell of a way to that. start a movie yeah yeah so i was gonna say what do you what did you think about akira upon rewatch um so i was a little cocky and i was like i've seen this twice before i don't need to like pay full attention to it um so like i i found myself getting like really consumed and invested during like the opening sequence with the bikes uh during the hallucination moments during the whole climax um and i would kind of like my attention would waver during the moments that are more uh focused on like the military and uh the council um but so I ended up rewatching a lot of that stuff today uh, because I was like, I, I want to make sure I know what's going on here. And yeah, like I said, it's just this movie. There's it's so dense. <laughs> it's it's a great follow up to Evangelion, what we watched last week, because also that movie is so dense. Um, and I don't, I don't I don't know. I'm kind of just like overwhelmed right now. So yeah, it is. Like, I, I have yeah. it on like as I'm talking to you. <laughs> uh, That's great. Yeah, I like I like that there's different ways of sort of approaching similar themes and like one of the things that sort of we touched on very briefly in our conversation about Evangelion is like talking about okay like the angels and is this a connection to human evolution or like is or like the angels sort of like are like are we from them or is, is there a connection there and that's sort of yeah. Uh, contemplated a little bit in Akira 2 where they're talking about these kids being the next level of like human evolution uh, hu- yeah human evolution and like like all these like massive the power like, of a god and all this. yeah it's like like you have like these uh big bang level of like energetic events like catastrophic catastrophic events that are sort of like resetting the earth and sort of like readjusting everything and I don't know it's just a really interesting way to sort of do like the the cyberpunk the sorry the cyberpunk version of this like story about like sort of energy taking over your body and just kind of not being able to control that and dealing with these uh, government issues with like the government sort of having uh, secret organizations trying to get information about Akira and uh, it's just it's a huge uh, orchestra of just like yeah like just political science fiction intrigue yeah. it's just a big ball one of the things i found interesting on this watch is that it's like i found myself like wondering like whose story is this because it feels yeah. like this is mostly a story about the military uh experimenting on psychic kids and then it like getting out of control because it's uh kanida and tetsuo just kind of get like swooped up in it like this isn't yeah. their story like this story is already in motion and they just happen to get like caught up in it um and so because they're kind of the more interesting characters like that is who we're following in the movie Um, yeah yeah the biker gang kids the teenagers popping pills is way more fun to hang out with than the old people inside the boardrooms and the shriveled up kids in their room i'm struggling to remember what the um military guy's name is is it shinoku or uh i just call him colonel okay big guy i just refer to him as colonel okay but yeah it feels like it kind of feels like this is there's an alternate movie out there where this is his movie. Um, Sh- yeah, definitely. Shikisham- Shiki- Shikishima. Colonel Shikishima. Um, Excuse me. But yeah, it's... it's And then the fact that we're focusing on Kanida and Tetsuo, it's... 
I think there's more interesting psychology there, and that's why they're more interesting characters, too, because the Colonel, like, he doesn't seem very, um, I don't know, psychologically rich. Uh, It feels like he does what he does because he wants to protect Tokyo, and there's not much more going on there. I I think it is kind of interesting, his relationship with the the, uh, psychic kids, or psychic old kids, um, because he is kind of a... His chaperone, kind of. Yeah, and he's kind of fatherly to him. It seems like like they end up saving him. Uh, so there is this like mutual care for each other. They're not like yeah, yeah. Like they were test subjects, but they're not necessarily like his captives or anything like that. Um, yeah, he doesn't see them as like animals. You know, he he's like he, there's a nice child room with toys, and like there's a yeah. like it's, it's set up to be you know very uh, very like cushy for them. <laughs> yeah, the, they're taken care of. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Um, and then with, like, in regards to, like, Kanita and Tetsuo, like, their psychology, Tetsuo has, like, this, uh, he has this, uh, oh, gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? He, uh, oh, I, t- I wrote it down in my notes. <laughs> uh, inferiority complex. Like, he yeah, feels yeah. like he is being bossed around by Kanita, and he doesn't want to be saved. He doesn't want to be put down. He wants to rise up. And that is ultimately what's driving him. Uh, and that's why he's um, corrupted by power is because of this inferiority. Uh, he feels like he has, has to flex this new power. And then Kanita. Kanita's interesting because it's like, he's just trying to save his friend. Uh, and his friend's a piece of shit and doesn't necessarily deserve saving and doesn't want saving. But uh, that is primarily what's driving him. And th- we have all these moments with Kanita hanging out with his girlfriend and his girlfriend's like hanging on his arm like trying to have a conversation with him and the whole time he's distracted because he's just thinking about tetsuo and i yeah. i find that kind of interesting yeah so those uh female characters aren't in the manga there's a mm-hmm. another kind of like female representation but it happens in a a very different way um like canada his uh he has like a girlfriend but the girlfriend is like the school's pharmacist and it's like she's the one giving him the pills and everything yeah Yeah. but for this one it's kind of like the girls they show up and they sort of just like latch on to the gang for a little bit and i like they sort of get sort of swept aside a little bit when things sort of get rolling for the rest of the the movie it's more focused like you said on canada and tetsuo and yeah i think their relationship is really interesting i mentioned an episode long ago talking about like this whole uh, this dichotomy and this uh, relationship that exists a lot in Japanese animation and manga is like this whole Goku Vegeta thing where you have like your your pure hero who just wants to do well and just wants to do good like like our uh, Kanada and then you have like our our hero character who is uh, l- drunken with power and can't control his anger sort of like Tetsuo and that sort of relationship is present in a lot of manga and a lot of anime and in this version I think it goes to the physical extreme of it to where it's the point where towards the end getting into spoiler territory a little bit where uh tetsuo is like he basically he gets in contact with one of these psychic psychic kids and it awakens this power that's dormant within him that's sort of how it's described within the movie and the story it's like it's there within him and this accidental uh connection with this kid sort of awakens it and it happens when tetsuo is like they're racing through the city and he's sort of like uh, speeds ahead and kind of like cuts away from the group mm-hmm. and sort of like tries to separate and like uh, establish himself as like oh I'm gonna go ahead of a kind of like gonna get ahead of the gang yeah and in the process of that gets fucked up and it falls into this whole thing and in the end of the movie it's like he's physically overwhelmed by the power turning into this giant baby monstrosity like uh organic kind of metal hybrid baby thing and he's just like screaming for kind of help yeah and that's where it's like it's like it so flips. fucking heartbreaking yeah. <laughs> Like, I just love the way that they do that. It's just like, yeah, he's just really just wants, like, his friend. And they sort of express that even more with, like, the sort of psychedelic flashes when the explosions are kind of happening. We see that, you know, they've had this relationship since the very beginning. And yeah. He's always sort of been there protecting him. Yeah. It's, it, yeah, it's nice to see that flip where he goes from being so stubborn and so headstrong to, like, crying out for help <laughs> and like yeah. and i, I think little brother <laughs> and i think uh his girlfriend's character kaori uh is like a big part of that because so like like you said a lot of these female characters the ones that hang out with the gang at least uh they're really underdeveloped and it feels like K- kanita's girlfriend is there just to kind of highlight 
where his focus is, which is his focus is only on Tetsuo. Um, but Kaori, we actually spend some time with Kaori, Kaori away from the rest of the group uh, because she's worried about Tetsuo. Um, and then, of course, she gets, like, assaulted. And, and then we get this ending where Tetsuo's power is transforming his body. He's becoming this, you know, giant tumor, basically. And yeah. uh, he ends up consuming Kaori. And it's like, I think that might be what it, what first causes Tetsuo to call for help. Because he's, like, acknowledging that he is hurting someone yeah. he doesn't want to hurt. Yeah, And yeah. so, like, he needs to be stopped. Um, but, yeah, it's nice yeah. that we get that flip. Yeah, and to be fair, this movie and the story of Akira has a really strong female character at the center of it by the name of Kay. Yeah. And Kay is sort of like the... Uh, uh, governments and uh, not conspiracy she's not the working with the government she's working with the resistance yeah. correct she's working with the resistance she's working with a character named ryu to sort of f- uh, figure out what the government is doing with akira and just trying to find answers essentially and she's a really great character and i really appreciate just like having basically in the manga her uh, uh spoilers for the manga it's gonna be kind of fair but since i've, I've read six volumes of this mm-hmm. i have a little bit of extra information to help fill in the gaps a little bit which i think is kind of helpful in the manga they explicitly say that k is a medium and that's why the kids are allowed to use her as yeah. like a vessel and like help use her to guide kind of through the sewers a little bit and, and use her to uh, express information about akira and get some exposition yeah across. that wasn't totally clear to me in the movie yeah it becomes really explicit cause they state it very explicitly um Actually, a character who's in the movie for only a brief moment—the uh, the female priest in the white uh, outfit with the yeah. big, big hair. She's only in it for a minute. She's actually a massively important character in the manga, who basically delivers a lot of this exposition to a lot of the characters, Tetsuo, K, and Kanada over various points of the story. But yeah, that's one of the more interesting parts when she's like, "Yeah, like you're a medium, and that's why it's so valuable for you to be a part of this because." with you being here it allows the kids to be closer to tetsuo physically because they can sort of use k as as like like an actual like a vessel mm-hmm. sort of be physically closer to tetsuo to to help solve the issue of his ever expanding power mm-hmm. but um before we get into the more heady stuff i just want to mention and ask what did you think about sort of the comedy in this movie because i think it has an, a lot of like great moments that are really funny and i think that's what helps make it a whole package you know because it, it, it gets really serious and emotional but there's also really some good jokes and some good gags in this movie. yeah it's pretty surprising uh I, I i don't know that that was something i took away from the first couple watches but i definitely noticed it on this time um like emily was sitting on the ground doing some like woodworking and <laughs> we had it yeah. on and there were moments where like she would just like burst out laughing <laughs> uh but um yeah i even wrote down like one of my favorite lines which is when they get sent to the vocational school <laughs> and the teacher's not around. And one of the characters says, what about my burning desire to study and learn a vocation? So I watched it with the dub. Um, <laughs> yeah, Because yeah. I remembered the dub being okay. And I think it's totally yeah, it's fine. Um, but yeah, there's some like kind of bizarre comedic stuff in here. So like after, like once again at the vocational school, they get the shit kicked out of them by some <laughs> yes. dude. I don't even know like what the dude's role is. But um, So he's, the, he's their gym teacher. Oh, their gym teacher. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But uh as they're like walking and like the girls like run up to him to ask like what's going on uh one of the characters just like spits blood out he's just like puking yeah. blood as they're <laughs> yeah. walking around and it's yeah. i mean that kind of brings us to another thing is like what do you think of all the the violence like how the violence is handled in this um i remember when we were like watching it like in the dorm room there was that was kind of like one of the selling points they're like this movie gets like fucked up like yeah. it's like that's one of the selling points like the body horror and just like the whole third act just gets kind of gnarly but also um i think it's really striking how they do gun violence in this one thing that always sticks out to me in the very beginning of this movie is when they're uh, he's with takashi and he's running through the crowd and like the dogs start chasing them and then the they run past like a cute like a dog cartoon where there's like dogs eating like dog food at a, a breakfast table or something and then they like run into this like crowded area of traffic mm-hmm. and he just like shoots this dog gets like blood everywhere and there's just like a really striking moment early on in the movie where it's like wow like that just this is really alarming to me they killed the dog then, yeah, <laughs> right. yeah it's like, yeah, it right. kills this dog right like, immediately. The then he gets shred apart with gunfire there's this moment where they're like inside like i think it's 
a police station. They're sort of just being questioned by the police. And this guy sort of does like this protest moment where he's like, long live the freedom revolution and tries to blow everybody up. But yeah. his bomb is a dud. And they just fucking just gun him down in front of everybody. And his body's just like, like that part really gets to me now. Where it's just like, like the, the fact that these are like student protests and like the student protests are being met with just physical gun violence. Yeah. is like, is just too real and too like, of a, like a real thing kind of that we're dealing with right now sort of make it like oh yeah it's like a fun anime thing it's like no like they got it fucking dead on they win. Like, yeah, spot it's on. so extreme like k shoots a guy in the face and you just see like yeah. blood like fly out of his like cheek um and then yeah. tetsuo like three he's approached by three men in the hallway of a hospital and he just kind of like <laughs> yeah. sweeps his hand to the side and like blood and guts like erupt all over the fucking hallway yeah, they just like like pop and they just go like, yeah and then like, <laughs> a, like you go. see a hand falling from the ceiling and like that's the thing that makes me wonder like we've talked a little bit about like they want to do a live action version of this like how so this is something like emily and i were talking about basically the whole time we were watching is like who should do this movie if they do a live action and like how the fuck do they even do it like what is the yeah who could <laughs> it's like who should do it and who could do it yeah um, yeah Ta- taika is a good choice i think he can sort of understand the human side and the quirky side and the horrific side of what makes Akira work, but it's just so big and I don't know. Remaking the movie, I think, is the, the smart way to do it. Just sort of remaking what this anime is presenting us. But as far as like remaking versus trying to stick to a, the manga, adapt, yeah, adapting what the manga is trying to do is like just is like I don't know. That that's like a fool's errand, in my opinion. Do you think if they were gonna do like a trilogy of movies, it, they could pull off the manga? Um, there was words of a, a TV series. I think that would work a lot better because, like I said, there's just so many characters and so many... Like, in this... Okay, so, for example, in this movie, in the film version of Akira... Excuse me. Uh, Tetsuo works his way down to the cryogenic kind of... La- the cryogenic area where Akira's sleeping. Mm-hmm. He opens up Akira, and it's all just tubes of pieces of him. He's been experimented to death. In the manga, Akira is alive and well and accompanies them throughout the entire story and has his own character development and does a whole bunch of stuff. And so there's just like so many different things that you could do with the the TV show and sort of adapting the manga as opposed to retelling the way that the movie does it. I think the movie is actually really nice the way it sort of summarizes all of the themes and sort of cuts out a lot but still manages to have a lot of that humanity there, but... I don't know. I, I think it'd just be really difficult. Um, a director that I was thinking could probably handle it, it, who also made a movie inspired by a manga with uh, weirdly preserved body parts in it, is Robert <laughs> Robert Rodriguez, since he did Alita. Oh, yeah. um, I think like like I'm not like the biggest Robert Rodriguez fan, but I, I I when I try to think about like who who could or should do. A live action version of this i'm trying to think like realistically because like a- emily was like who can do action well and i was like george miller <laughs> but and she was like yeah, that'd be amazing yeah. but it's like but george miller's not going to do an akira movie although i did read that at one point he was attached so who knows huh. like maybe i'm way off base by saying he wouldn't do that'd it. be fucking sick yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah i think i think maybe robert rodriguez could pull something off like that um the if the one thing i would really want them to get right uh, if they did a live action version, which they probably just shouldn't do because this is a very much a Japanese movie. Um, and it, I, I know they would Americanize it. They would like set it in Los Angeles or Chicago or some shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like one thing I would really want them to get right is the fashion. <laughs> that was something I really noticed this time around is like, yeah, yeah. everyone has this sort of, it still feels pretty eighties with the way they're dressing, like a guy in the bike gang wearing like a, a blazer and a tie and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and just like some of the skirts that the girls wear and stuff. Um, so yeah, that's something I would re- really want them to carry over because I think this, this movie just looks amazing and you would have to get like a really good teenage cast too. And, uh, with like a good chemistry. Um, I don't know. I think there, there's like a, a an energy you could sort of riff off here that, um, maybe isn't fully exposed in the anime version. Um, yeah, yeah, with those like with the younger kids. So. Yeah, I don't know. I like. I think I'm just in love with the aesthetic of the visuals and just mm-hmm. the amount of detail that we get with like the buildings and the scale yeah. of just the city and everything. Because I don't know if that was translated at least in, 
if that were to be translated into a modern filmmaking techniques, I think it would just be overcut and we wouldn't be able to really enjoy just like just the tall buildings in Neo Tokyo and just like the... unless you had this sort of like fetishistic way of framing it, uh I don't yeah, I don't know, yeah. something like a like a Blade Runner twenty forty nine, like you're you're taking it slow. You're just like allowing people to soak in this environment rather than you know, rushing through it. Yeah, speaking of Blade Runner 2049, yeah, Denis Villeneuve, yeah, I think he, oh, maybe, yeah. pretty, he, he could probably do a really solid uh, version of the story. I don't know. I'm trying to think of, like, I don't know if I've experienced characters in one of his movies that were super charismatic. I guess I was going to say super charismatic, but I mean, uh, Johnny, U- was it not Johnny Utah? Is it Johnny Utah? <laughs> or is Johnny Utah the guy from it's Duncan? Idaho. Duncan, okay, Johnny Utah is from Point Break. Johnny, Utah. Johnny Utah is from Point Utah. Break. Um, Dun- Duncan, Duncan Idaho. Idaho. <laughs> Duncan Idaho is all right. Just throw a bunch of Duncan Idahos in here. Yeah, yeah, not quite as I don't know. Yeah, uh, kind of as it's very fiery. He has a lot of passion and yeah, very charismatic for sure. That, that'd be a little bit tricky. Yeah. Um, is there any else, anything else you want to think about? Uh, oh. Sorry, let me just say that over again. No. Any other thoughts about Akira? Uh, another thing they got to preserve with the live action, just use the exact same score because the score in this yeah. is fantastic. Uh, maybe you maybe you re-record it, do it like a, another performance of it, but keep the composition the same because... Yeah, score is beautiful. Yeah, it, it adds so much to like what the tone of this movie is. Yeah, and one thing I want to point out is just some details that I thought were really fantastic that i don't know just sort of elevate this movie and make just put it on this another level of just like a really fucking fantastically animated film it's just like these little small moments that just help solidify just like kind of the more human kind of moments there's like i I love like i mentioned the light trails on the back of the motorcycles those are like iconic recreated in the uh kanye west stronger video which draws heavily from uh (laughs) akira as far as visually um they have kanye inside of the tetsuo uh testing kind of circular thing which i always thought was really funny but there's a moment where um yeah uh inside of the kids nursery where tetsuo he like steps on a piece of glass and he like pulls the glass out of his foot and there's like it has like a tug and like resistance to it. And I was like, fuck, like just that moment is like always really good. And then when they're inside of the sewer in Canada, it's like, like he falls inside the water and he comes up and there's like a rat that has like maggots inside yeah. of its stomach. And just like, it easily could have just been a rat. But the fact that the rat had like maggots yeah. inside of his stomach, just like adds just another fucking level of disgustingness to it. And I don't know, just I, like I'm saying, I'm a sucker for details. And so when movies have moments like that, it just really helps just, you know, to sell everything. And I just love that. And I, I love the, um, you mentioned the, uh, the moment when they're inside getting uh, reprimanded and he, uh, the teacher is like saying discipline, yeah. discipline. Like I, I just love that little gag too. Yeah. He, just, he smacks the first guy and then punches the rest of them. <laughs> yeah. I just, just love that. Just, just little stuff like that to sort of make the characters just a lot more fleshed out. Yeah, I don't know. Akira rules. <laughs> like, yeah. they should have made more. I don't know why they didn't make more. And, like, the fact that it fucking ends with a new universe being created. It's like, how yeah. the fuck did we get here? <laughs> like, this Tetsuo's a god now, and he takes the rest of the kids with him, and they create a new universe? Like, yeah, I gotta, th- I gotta this... think about that as I'm leaving the theater. <laughs> yeah, I gotta give you the mangas, because they're such a joy to read, and there's so many, like, little beautiful, small details in the manga that just elevate the movie to a whole nother level there's this great little sentiment where um the character uh, lady miyako is expressing to Kay. she's like like life is like a stream it's like we all exist everything like the universe is this stream and some people exist outside of that stream and exist outside of uh, means of like physical means and so uh, akira exists outside of the stream and everyone inside of the stream will fail to understand those who exist outside of it and so there's some really nice uh sort of universe contemplation meaning of life kind of things in the manga that yeah so they're they're there in the movie but um the movie sort of serves as a nice like introduction and sort of like sample of just what the manga is even though the movie is a beautiful great fantastic thing it's just like the tip of the iceberg of another really great fantastic thing i always think of i never read it and i think i've i think i've uh, mentioned this on the show before but like something emily was telling me about the book it is that the way they describe like 
the entity of it is that um imagine that there's like like a finger being poked through from an alternate dimension like yeah. Like, like, like it is something coming out of another dimension, but it is really just like the fingertip of the pinky of whatever that something yeah. is, <laughs> yeah, which yeah. is like terrifying <laughs> to think you're only getting a taste of this like larger thing. Um, that's yeah. So like the idea of like Akira is like outside of the stream and the rest of us are inside of the stream. We, we, we have only glimpsed his power. We have no actual understanding of it. Uh, that's kind of terrifying. So Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's fascinating stuff. It's always great to sort of go back into this world. And like I said, the visuals are just a treat to sort of bask in. Bask in and it's just, yeah, it's a great movie. It's uh, iconic and um, like, uh, it's iconic and renowned for, re for really good reasons. Yeah. Uh, anything else on Akira? Um, that's all for me. I think that's it. All right. What have you been watching this week? Okay. So this week I saw Licorice Pizza and... You mentioned this uh, controversial scene. Yeah. With this, uh, <laughs> Did you see in theaters? This, yeah, saw in theaters. Okay. Um, but the reaction, there wasn't much of a reaction mm -hmm. to that moment in the movie. Maybe I think my uh, crowd might have just been a little bit more shy and timid and quiet. But when it happened, it wasn't much. Of, it was kind of just like a little bit of like uh, awkward laughter. Yeah. But not really like anything people being like actual reactions i could actually tell like oh like oh that person's angry or something like, like for that. me it was, it was like i could feel like i didn't really hear much but i could feel people sort of like a cringe like there was like this like tension in the air of people just being like oh, yeah i don't know about this <laughs> yeah that didn't quite happen maybe i don't know i just didn't quite uh notice that in the movie but you know, it was uh well received in other parts people seem to enjoy it um I, I wasn't like crazy about it in yeah. the end of it. I do like the movie. I think the the central plot and like the the screenplay is like how everything sort of progresses. I think is really fascinating. Sort of uh, you have like the this young couple. Well, not a young couple. You have these two characters, and these two characters are sort of get they interact with these adults and these different adults. Sort of like they kind of try to mold themselves around those adults or the adults sort of in, if the adults bring out parts of these characters that weren't really there or sort of they sort of did you know what i'm saying we're like kind of uh uh like what's like sean penn's character shows up and then all of a sudden the, the guy wants to like impress the girls yeah, and like gonna order martinis, martinis. yeah <laughs> yeah and so and then like and then uh the politician shows up and the, the girls oh like, i want to be a politician like i'm like you're worried about pinball machines i'm worried about you know i'm thinking bigger things and i i like that the, the adults were like so like magnetic in their personalities that each the boy and the girl both sort of shift each time these new adults sort of come into the narrative and so i thought that was kind of fascinating but it it, it did kind of meander and detour a little bit too yeah much i mean that's like the whole movie thing. it's like yeah it's yeah. a hangout movie um yeah i get that i i totally get that but i was just like mm, it just <laughs> at the end i was just like yeah, it just didn't really resonate too much with me yeah. i like like i said i like the way that the adults and their sort of relationship molds as they kind of change with these characters i like that yeah i i came out of it i i just came out of it feeling like kind of refreshed like i came out of it feeling really good i think um i think i was just blown there were like moments in that movie where i just wanted to fucking stand up and like applaud because it's like so so all of the bradley cooper stuff is to me was incredible like the whole truck scene of like driving backward like when they go up yeah. okay we're spoiling we're spoiling licorice pizza yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like First off, just like uh, Bradley Cooper's interactions with Gary, the character Gary, um, mm -hmm. like it's such an intense performance. It's really fun to see Bradley Cooper kind of like giving it all in that moment. And then uh, just the tension of them having to deal with this man who's just clearly like a live wire. Um, yeah, yeah. and then like bashing his window, they run out of gas, like all of the tension, it, it, like the tension in that scene of them having to drive backwards. It reminded me of yeah. like boogie nights with, uh, like the scene with the gun when they're like at the drug dealer's house or whatever. Um, it's just like, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, he's just a damn good filmmaker. Like he knows like how to like mine all of the emotion he can out of like these moments. Um, the scene where, uh... I'm forgetting the now I'm forgetting the lead girl's name, um, the character's name, the Haim. Yeah, the Haim the sister. sister. What what's what's the character's name? <laughs> Let me just look. Alana. Alana. Yeah, I'm. Uh, 
the scene where Alana is like going in to try and like get an audition and she's like listing her qualifications and saying yes to everything. And then the way the actress looks at her when she's telling her like, you're a dog <laughs> or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Like, and like we get this like tight fucking close up on her face where her face is taking up like the whole screen. And it's just such an intense performance. Like yeah, that was the stuff that was like yeah. breathing life into me. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. That yeah. scene felt like a scene from a Coen brothers movie where I was like, this is a, a perfectly cast female actress doing something super specific borderline kind of like dicey super almost saying intense, <laughs> like yeah, you're kind of nervous about what's happening it's like is she gonna say something anti-semitic <laughs> or something something racist like is this gonna go over the line because the movie already did that a little bit earlier so you're on on edge a little bit so i don't know i i appreciate a lot of the things but i i don't know at the end i was just like maybe the whole gary alana thing just didn't quite hit me the way it hit other people so i just yeah. wasn't too into that but but like i said it's very well put together love the fucking music love the soundtrack and yeah just the dreamlike quality of it is really great um so yeah so um yeah so i saw that this week i also went down a weird rabbit hole so I, like i beat miles morales and i was like oh, i'm like kind of ending up ending my little spider-man obsession because no way home was a few weeks ago and i was like yeah i totally forgot about the spider-man musical i was like it just oh, it yeah. came Turn in off my mind dark. randomly <laughs> yeah i was just like did that ever happen because i was under the assumption that it never like was like it never went live like, yeah. i was under the assumption that it didn't happen but it actually did yeah. like they <laughs> ran for like two years there was like a peter for a long time but then they switched him out for another one and then it ended but it, there's actually like clips of it on youtube mm. which i, I, I haven't like, watched the clips, i don't know yeah. yeah i don't know why i was surprised by that but i was like oh shit there's actually like youtube clips of like spider-man uh turn off the dark 1.0 or like they were going batshit crazy with the arachne in the sky yeah and spider webs <laughs> like like there's like it's a really bad video on youtube but i thought it was just funny that it does exist and you can sort of see a, a little crummy clip of that broadway production so i thought that was kind of funny um did you watch the <laughs> i think it was like the sinister six performed a song on david letterman or something like that oh, yes <laughs> yes Yes, that's mainly why I brought it up because I was like, yeah, like I was curious. I was like, what happened to the Spider-Man musical? And then I went to find out. Oh yeah, they like performed a couple songs on a couple of like late night shows. Terrible, and so dude. there's one where it's like a really stripped down, nothing like it's just like the three singers. It's like it's Peter, Mary Jane, and Arachne, and they're just doing like this one song written by U two. It's super yeah. fucking cheesy. Bono and the Edge did the music <laughs> yeah. for the Spider Man. Super fucking over dramatic song, weird. and then there's this insanely batshit crazy Sinister Six musical where it's like yeah, it's a green is a Green Goblin or I think like so. it was, yeah, it's, yeah, they're like running through the Goblin. crowd and shit, aren't they? Or am I misremembering yeah. it? Is this a yeah, no, you're absolutely okay. right. It's great. Yeah, then there's a. A new character her name was like it's like a, a, like a knife character or something it's like a it's like she's swiss miss and she's swiss like miss. a bunch oh of knives gosh. yeah it was just like this is just fucking insane so i i don't know i had a good time going down that rabbit hole and finding out about that um, um one thing about spider-man turn off the dark is we've established in the hawkeye tv show that they make musicals about these characters so is there a possibility that we get to see Turn Off the Dark in the MCU? Is does it become canon as like something that gets performed? Like, uh... it's like, yeah, they need to <laughs> give him another shot, <laughs> give him one more chance. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to mention that. And then lastly, um, the Book of Boba Fett is airing right now, and yeah, it's not, it doesn't quite have the hype that the Mandalorian yeah. seasons one and two had because there's no honestly, Baby Yoda. Missed... <laughs> there's no Baby Yoda. It's also airing like late december early january i think it kind of missed the christmas hype i think if it aired late november early december it would have been way more like buzz around this show it should have like started great. like the week leading up to christmas or something like families yeah, getting like, together they're like hey let's check out the new star wars show yeah, yeah they're kind of they kind of drag their feet on it but i like there's some parts where i think it's kind of weak i was texting trunks about it and i was like what do you think about the book of boba fett and he's like they're basically doing dune like, like <laughs> really? there's a, a part where they're like be careful with that spice and there's like these two guys like transferring this box of spice and they drop it and it's just like this gold and brown dust that like kind of gets them high for a second it's like yeah like that's the spice from dune like you guys just stole that so are they like turning the sand people <laughs> into the bene Gesserit or what I, I, I don't know I have, I have no idea but i i'm having a good time i'm having a good time watching boba fett do boba fett things and there's this nice little kind of 
plot going on where he's having flashbacks to him mm-hmm. hanging out with the uh, not sand people. I don't. I don't Tuscan know Raiders. Shot was yeah. He's hanging out with the Tuscan yeah. Raiders and learning their ways and learning how to be in their tribe. And so I, I'm enjoying it a lot. Like I, I think it's a lot of fun and uh, it, it is a nice sort of dip back into this sort of. Uh, Filoni, um, Filoni the Favro, Filoni, Favro kind of world where it's like gritty Western kind of Star Wars, and I don't. Know, it's, it's, I, I wish I, I recommend. I it. wish it had like a slightly different visual style because it, it still looks too clean to me. Like, uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I don't know. It's like overly bright or something. I don't know. Yeah, that was a criticism about um, the movie The Harder They Fall that I mentioned a few weeks ago where this is fantastic cast, great all-black Western, but they're all too clean. It's like everyone's just like, you, like you look like you're walking off of a, a Vogue photo shoot. Yeah. Right? You know, you're supposed to be in the Wild West where people are getting shot in the dirt and so be grimy, you know. But yeah, that's all for me. What have you been watching this week? Um, I watched The Tragedy of Macbeth. Oh, and... Sweet. <laughs> It's like one of those things where I probably got like half of what Denzel said <laughs> because he's speaking <laughs> Shakespearean. Um, and the, yes. the way he performs, iambic pentameter. Yeah, the way he performs, it's like he's speaking very quickly. Like he can be kind of monotone at times because he's just like breezing through the dialogue. So it's like really hard to get on that wavelength. It probably wasn't until like halfway through the movie that I was like, okay, I'm starting to get into like shakespeare mode like i have shifted into shakespeare mode like i have now like understanding things without thinking about it um because so much of what i want to do in the first half is like i want to contemplate what was just said and like think about the phrasing and like the poeticism of it but i have no time to do that because like by the time i'm finished with that thought we've already concluded three conversations um (laughs) but yeah like tragedy of macbeth uh in like I really enjoy the cinematography of it, but like the set design is what I find really interesting because it's very minimal. Um, it feels it, it feels like it's all shot on like one stage. Uh, the design of like his like castle or whatever it, it is very bare, uh, very simple. Just like just throw up a few walls, maybe some columns, just like that you can pour light through to get some interesting shadows. Um, yeah, yeah, it's very very simple and minimal. Um, and then another th- takeaway from it is the supporting cast is excellent. Like, yeah, we're there to see uh, Denzel Washington and um, fuck. Now I'm forgetting her name. Is it Tilda Swinton? No, no, no. It's it's she's in. It starts with an F. She's in Francis McDormand. I was like, <laughs> what was I thinking? I was like, Frange, Fran. <laughs> I almost said Kate Blanchett. But uh, I was gonna be I would, she would have been a nice addition. Um, she probably would have been pretty at home in it. But um, yeah. yeah, Francis McDormand and Denzel Washington were there to see them. Like they're the you know top build, whatever. But like the supporting cast does an incredible job. And uh, here, let me actually look up the cast list here um, because there's one performer. She is a Catherine Hunter. She is a uh, uh, I think she's a professor, a uh, theater director, and her performance every time she's on screen it's like i just want to see more of this person because her performance is insane like she's kind of like twisting her body around in interesting Mm. ways not necessarily as a contortionist but like still very expressive she has like this incredible voice she plays multiple roles um it it really feels like this is like a showcase of katherine hunter um (laughs) that's great yeah it's it's really good um so yeah, Tragic Macbeth, Macbeth. Sorry, the dog is like growling. I'm gonna let him in real quick. <laughs> for sure. He's just grumbling outside. He's gonna he's gonna come in here for like 30 seconds and decide he wants to leave. He's gonna like sniff Pepper around. Jack. There's no food for me to eat. I guess I'm gonna leave. Pepper Jack. <laughs> hey, buddy. Um. Yeah. Do you want to say hello? <laughs> here we go. <laughs> oh, sweet. Um. <laughs> yeah, Tragic Macbeth, Macbeth worth checking out. <laughs> sweet. Um. Have you been? Yeah, I need a I need a Demon Souls update before we go. <laughs> yeah, um, before we go, also want to mention something I didn't know existed that I found out on Wikipedia today. There's a comic called Bart Kira. Oh, which actually, is, yeah. Uh, yeah, I wanted to mention that too. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, didn't know about that. <laughs> yeah, uh, fucking incredible. I'm a huge Simpsons fan, but yeah, seeing uh, Bart replaced with uh, Canada and Millhouse as Tetsuo sounds like a great way to <laughs> to reread the story. I have a like physical copy of it was just like a collection of artwork that they did uh like like pages it wasn't actually like um 
you know, chronological or anything. But yeah, I do have like this physical like Bart Kira um, magazine comic. That's sick. Um, that's, that's super. I sick. had a friend who was supposed to partake in it. She was supposed to be an artist for it, and she was going through like a lot of personal stuff. She ended up missing her deadline, and like I know oh, okay. she's like, you know, it's like one of those great, one of those things that she's like still grieves over. Um, but yeah, Bart Kira is rad. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, um, so I beat two bosses the past couple of uh, playthroughs. One was the uh, the man- the giant manta ray in the sky. I beat oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that reminds sky. me. I had a dream about that last night. <laughs> I had a dream that like a manta ray, like a flying manta ray, like came and like hit me in the back or something. <laughs> uh, but go on, sorry. Terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a pretty uh, cinematic boss to fight because like you sort of show up and. Like you've you've encountered these manta rays sort of before, and they're, they're they're pretty sizable. But then you get the daddy one, like the king one, and it's like they're like the the big ones are like you know were parasites on this massive daddy one. So yeah, it just takes up the entire screen, and just using the like thunder sword yeah. or whatever to, to shock it was pretty fucking cool. And then yeah, fight. I just fought a, a slug beast inside slug. of the. Uh, is a, a boss made entirely of slugs. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, the cool thing about the Manta Ray fight is, like, it's not really a test of strength. <laughs> it's not, yeah. like, a normal boss fight. It feels like it's just there to give the player, like, this fucking incredible badass experience. <laughs> where you're just, yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, it's just, imagine you saw that kind of out of context. You'd be like, how do you? How does the game get to this point? <laughs> like, how, did, yeah, yeah. how does it uh, crescendo to this? And it's great because usually the so far up until that point the rhythm is oh you're going to go through an area you're going to go through a level that's going to be pretty challenging it's going to be a a fairly long road and then you're going to get to the end of this road you're going to open up a fog door you're going to go through this door and then you're going to have this big fight and so this is one where you do that you you get you beat this big boss fight and then you get another door you go through that door and the fight starts immediately and it's like as soon as you walk through the door it's like you just this thing just shows up in the sky and it's like oh this is really fucking cool um so yeah just beat those last two bosses i'm trying to get my miracle and spell game up so i can use more spells i've just been using like two at this point and so i want to be able to at least do some more miracles what are you trying to get um i want to be able to use um at least the uh, healing miracle and the one that lets you that brings you back, like the second chance one. Uh, there's one. Okay, yeah, I think I remember that one. Um, yeah, there's, there's one where it's like you use it. If you die in a spot, you come right back to that spot. Huh. Okay, I would say uh, one of, I would say don't bother with heal because you pick up so much grass anyway. Like by the time yeah. you beat the game, you'll have an abundance of grass. Um, okay. But like, I already have an abundance of grass playing the game. Oh, and do you have the regenerator's ring? <laughs> uh, oh my gosh, I, I totally so. missed that joke. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I've been smoking too much weed, man. Um, I think I think I have yeah. a ring. I've only been using the cling ring and the thief ring. Okay. Because I oh, like, interesting. I like I, I like being able to sort of approach enemies in my own pace. Yeah. Uh, I would always cool. swap between regenerator ring and whichever one regenerates magic i was just like always just like making sure i was topped up on stuff yeah um that's that's a really smart way to do it because i get because pausing to press square to ingest the the stuff sometimes it just takes those moments can you can die in that yeah so it's good to just have it just constantly rebuilding i just found out that uh peter serafinowicz uh the guy who does the tick in the latest amazon reboot um and also you may know him as the roommate in Shaun of the Dead, the kind of jerk, yeah. responsible roommate. Um, I just found out he's a big Dark Souls fan. Uh, he also voiced Darth Maul in like the prequels. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's a big Dark Souls fan. And I was like watching some videos on YouTube about how like he reached out to From Software and was like, hey, I'm a big fan of Dark Souls. Do you think I can get a poster or something? And they sent him a signed poster. Um and then he was like, by the way, I'm also an actor. If you needed any, if you ever need voice actors, like that's something I do. Um, I was the voice of Darth Maul. <laughs> and so, so I ended up getting seen the Phantom. Yeah. Have you heard of Star Wars? <laughs> uh, but um, he ends up playing a character in Dark Souls 2, which I hadn't realized until last night. Um, and right. There's like some videos of him, like getting interviewed as, as like he's playing the game or like the interviewers playing the game and he's just talking about his affection for it. And it's really cool because you could tell it's like 
like he has talked about how when he can't sleep at night he imagines being at fire lake shrine <laughs> like it's like the nerdiest <laughs> shit but he's like that's great yeah he has like such an emotional connection to it that's rad. I, I saw a rumor on Reddit today saying that I think From Software might be working on an Armored Core video game. I did game. hear about that, yeah. I have never played any of the Armored cool. Core games. I played it once as a kid, and it was a lot of fucking fun. It, never played anything quite like it, just being able to build a mech suit and interchange parts. and Yeah, it, it was badass. It's just really fucking cool. I think they do a really great job with it. Um, a game of theirs that I really loved before I knew who From Software was was a togi on xbox a togi myth of demons and it's like i don't know it's like this sort of like mystical character where you're like floating around fighting these like japanese demons and like destroying the environment with your sword and yeah uh, it, it finally got added as backwards compatible uh backwards compatible on like xbox one and xbox series um so like I was like kind I'm kind of on the fence I might buy an Xbox just to play <laughs> this game from 15 years ago or whatever. Oh damn! Um, but you know we'll see we'll see if emulation improves anytime soon. Um, yeah, it's like right now I would love to get uh, my hands on a physical PlayStation Two because I have a copy of Jeopardy on PlayStation <laughs> Two with Alex Trebek. Just want to put that in, uh, give it a spin get an emulator you can put it in your if you have a cd drive on your computer you could just pop it in that's okay. how i was playing uh onimusha okay might be able to do that but also it's in the wrapper so i don't know if i'm gonna open it. <laughs> okay you gotta preserve it it's got it's, it's got alex trebek yeah. on the cover looking looking good rest in peace yeah r.i.p also r.i.p bob saget yeah, bob it's been saget. a eventful eventful mm -hmm. year and betty white r.i.p betty white. yeah already 2022 yeah all right well have you thought about what we're watching? Oh, oh wait, we're no, watching Van Galleon too. <laughs> right. Have you? Well, have you thought about what, what your choice pick? is going to be for after? Not, not totally sure. Maybe I'll pick another anime thing to keep uh, keep us on the anime train. But um, yeah, I'll need to think about that. Cool. All right. This has been episode sixty-eight of Vague Zone. If you would like to contact us, you can email us vaguezonepod at gmail.com. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or movie suggestions or franchises for us to watch, please let us know. We'll check them out. Uh, this yeah, this has been episode sixty-eight. Check us back next week. We'll be talking about Evangelion two the next entry in the Evangelion rebuild series. Looking forward to watching that. So yeah, this has been episode 68. I'm Thomas. And I'm Daniel. See you next week.